0: to business as usual around here for me. Welcome, guys. It's another week. And rather than recap what I'm going to talk about, because uh, some of it is just the same old insanity, I'm just going to tell you, I have I have an audio clip that perfectly highlights, I believe, uh, just some of the pettiness in politics today. I'm going to start with that and roll from there all this and more coming up this is Fritzcast it's Monday, April 3rd, 2006 6 2000 no it's 2017 wow I have see. I I believe I said months ago. I would never screw up the year, and there you go. I said two thousand sixteen almost. Cut myself off early, so now it just sounds like I said two thousand six, which means I'm really screwed up. So there's that. How are y'all doing? Uh, first things first. Netflix probably had the best April Fool's joke. On April Fools, I love the internet. On April Fools' Day, it's probably the only time that people uh, double check everything that they read for credibility. <laughs> it's fact. I mean, look that up. People double, triple, and even quadruple check stuff if it's being posted on the internet between March 31st. April first. Is there even a March thirty first? Thirty days, half September, September, April, June, and November. All the rest have thirty one. Yeah. So between March thirty first and April second, anything getting posted on the internet gets quadruple checked by everybody. Best joke that I saw though. Netflix had this thing <laughs> in their little. You know, you go through, you boot up Netflix, and you have all the different sorted categories and stuff. You have like your My List section of Things that you bookmarked and things that you want to be able to get to mine's like five hundred items long because I put a bunch of crap in there and then I forget about it, and I just turn on family Guy anyway. That's not even a lie or a stretch that's what I do that's what that's why you know you know, go into you know my fake you know crappy stewie, you know, yeah, yeah, you know you know what I'm talking about. I have 500 items in mind. There was one section in there. They, you know, they throw up the ads for, like, the new stuff or they give you little blips of when they've posted new content. This had a section called Netflix Live. And I was like, what is this? Like, out of genuine curiosity. And then it said that they canceled it as well, but you could still click on it and watch it. And it was literally just an hour long of Will Arnett Will Arnett of course is the voice of Lego Batman uh, Very big in Arrested de- Development uh, Bojack Horseman A bunch of other stuff Will Arnett's a genuinely funny guy And prominent voice actor And even comedic actor It's literally just an hour of him Narrating random Stupid crap It's like, I'm, and I'm serious Go on Netflix Because it's there, it's bookmarked Oh it's in the list and I sat there, and I watched a good most of it with my wife. And it's ridiculous. It goes around, I guess, in the Netflix offices or whatever. But part of it is him sitting in front of a microwave. And it's like QVC. It shows the microwave on the big screen, and he's in a little box in the corner. And he's narrating, talking about the microwave. And then he's narrating and talking about the toaster. And then he's watching somebody parallel park and making fun of how they can't freaking do it. It was ridiculous. I can't believe that people got paid to do that. But I sat there and I watched it. Now I get it. Capitalism. <laughs> that's that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But seriously, hats off to Netflix for that because it was hilarious. High hilarious. And made for a, a pretty funny April Fool's weekend. April Fool's. And uh, just a couple other highlights over the weekend. Uh, the Flyers got eliminated from the playoffs, which kind of sucks. I expected it though. I'm not that I'm not that well versed yet as a hockey fan. I, I I got this love of hockey like a couple years ago, and it literally came from playing. I think it was NHL 12 on uh, PS3. I just like randomly bought it, used copy. Because I remember playing the hockey games growing up. Never really paid attention to hockey, though. And part of it, I think, was understanding the game. And what's funny about video games today, if you don't understand how a sport works, just go out and buy the video game, and real quick, you learn how this sport works. You learn what the penalties are, how to play. (laughs) You learn everything. Because these games are massive. Just to give you an example, uh, the last NHL game I had was NHL 15, I think, for PlayStation 4. And I thought that game dynamically changed from 12 to 15. Well, then I didn't get the last couple editions, except over the weekend, went out and bought NHL 17, which is, like, massive. Like, it literally took the the PS4 and the Xbox One, I guess, back on NHL 15. I think that was, like, the first edition next-gen NHL game that was coming out. Everything seems so small. The rink seems so so small. The players seem small. All that all that jazz. The stadiums even seem a little small. The amount of detail they can put in these games now, playing booting up NHL 17, the the ice rink is massive. It is bigger than than it has been in the previous years. And that's just that's that's a testament to the technology getting more refined and better. The fact that they can really, really take the simulations and make them as close to real life as possible. It's, it's its nuts. And NHL 17, while you play it, teaches you how to play it. It teaches you how to skate your little guy around and aim the puck in the net and try to beat the goalie and, and try to make good shots rather than just going back and forth and taking shots at the net. That taught me about hockey, and then that got me watching hockey. And now, when it's hockey season, I'm not, like, it's not I have to watch every game because hockey, like all these other sports other than football, has multiple games. So every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I'll boot up a game and watch it. And it's fun. And, you know, when you get to playoffs, you're hardcore into it. That being said, as a Flyers fan, I've noted that one of the problems with the Flyers, it seems, is, like, Gelling they, they don't gel very well Watching them offensively uh, At times can be rather unexciting it, It's like is Hoping that they can set something up and, and strategically go for it Now this game that they got eliminated And they almost came back and tied the game In the final seconds If they had done that It would have been sweet But that's when it appeared they were gelling That's when they were really You know Borderline smash mouth hockey all the other times though I've watched them, some of the other times I've watched them, it's been it's been sitting there watching like 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 this uncoordinated team almost going back and forth and back and forth and maybe maybe they get lucky, maybe they don't. I don't know. So, not in the playoffs and rightfully so. That there's that note for you. And then also just last night was WrestleMania. WrestleMania 33 and uh the Undertaker, the the historic and storied Undertaker, yeah, he's still been wrestling. For those of you not paying attention, uh, I believe he did his retirement last night. I watched uh, some of the clips, and he folded up the cape or the cloak rather, and the hat, and took the gloves off and set them all in a ring and walked away. And the, if so, that's like twenty seven years, twenty seven years in the wrestling business. And for those of you who don't know, I started. My whole uh, interest in in entertainment, media, commentaries, and and writing things about sports and entertainment and such came from wrestling. It it came from, I used to work for worldwrestlinginsanity.com. It's now wewantinsanity.com. There's still plenty of uh, talented and enthusiastic writers and commentators on that website. So wewantinsanity.com if you want to check it out. But if you go there and, and type my name in the search, you'll, it'll come up with a bunch of old recaps that I used to write for TNA uh, Wrestling, for WWE Wrestling, and I used to do audio shows. I used to do commentary, and that's where I got my start in the biz, as they say. So wrestling holds a special place in my heart. Don't, don't be one of those people who are like, well, it's fake. It's fake. So our video games, TV shows, half are politicians, and you so get over it i just uh i just wrapped up two weeks on uh eight to four working on uh some field training material and development stuff which was which was a nice little break I did do some overtimes on four to twelve though the correctional world in delaware is a little nuts right now just a, just a tad uh just a tad uh, not normal if you will going through some You know, very rather trying times, and I'll explain more in a minute. Um, But I'm not back to work as normal this week. In fact, uh, tomorrow night, when my wife gets off of work, we're packing up the car and we're driving to Texas. Because all my exes live in Texas. They don't. If they did, do you think my wife would go? I don't think so. Uh, Her brother is getting hitched, so they say. And we're going to go see it. Duh. So... (laughs) We're road tripping to Texas, and this is something that we've done multiple times. Uh, uh, Her grandparents are in Oklahoma, so we've road tripped to Oklahoma a couple times. It takes about a day to drive out there, a full day. So we'll leave Tuesday night, and we'll get there Wednesday night, which is cool. Weddings uh, later in the week. Thursday, I might, might stretch, maybe, possibly, uh, going to sit in on a TV taping of Glenn Beck Yeah, uh, he gives out free tickets for his stuff Uh, He does a lot of stuff Glenn Beck does more than just his radio show Which is a three hour stint It's actually right now It's 9.15 or 16 a.m. As I speak Not as you listen to it You didn't just go back in time All right, Stay grounded in your chair Or in your car or whatever We didn't just jump back in time It's whatever time you're listening to it right now but right now, Glenn Beck's live in the show. I'll catch up with it later. Uh, I have a Blaze TV app. I can just click into it. He posts it up afterwards. So, I can see it. Alright, not a big deal. But he does that, and he does a show. Like, he does that three-hour radio stint. Then he also does, like, an hour of television every night. Which is nuts if you think about it. That's like four hours of content every day. Um, but... Mondays usually is the think tank where he and a, and his whole team of uh, of writers and interns and all that sit down and talk about all these things going on, which is nice. It's a nice little open discussion. You get a lot of people's different opinions, and I like it. Tuesdays he usually does like history. He usually takes one char- one, one one person from history that he wants to focus on, and it's an hour of their like life story almost. Or sometimes it's an item or an event. Also very cool. Wednesdays, he usually sits down and does a one-on-one interview with somebody. And Thursdays, same deal. Uh, and so, one point blank, the, the, the possible tickets that I'm securing, which uh, if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, I think Mercury Radio Arts Studios is in Irving, Texas. So it's about 30 minutes from where I'll be. Uh, he, he gives out these tickets for free. You just email... Tickets at the Blaze. I think it's on theblaze.com. If you really, if you want to venture and look for it, because not everybody's into Glenn Beck, and I, I understand, I get it. I'm not goo goo gaga over every word he says, but it's just cool. He's a guy I've been listening to since I was 12 years old, and I've evolved with him too because 10 years ago he was a different man than he is today. So I possibly have tickets to go sit in on an hour long. Interview session uh, With him I don't know Any other details Other than It's usually A smaller crowd Of, of anywhere between I don't know I would say 30 to 50 people So it's a, it's a little more Intimate environment and, and all that And he sits down And interviews somebody Sometimes it's just A Q&A session With the audience So If I get to go I get to go And if I say anything Or make a fool of myself I'll record audio clips And post them on here So stay tuned Stay tuned. Now the big thing that's going on this week, again, it revolves around the Supreme Court nominee, Neil Gorsuch, and uh, the Senate, because now they're supposed to vote on it. And we've, we've had a lot of uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, feuding with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell over whether or not Neil Gorsuch will be confirmed. There's a lot of strong-arming going on. And we talked about this in depth. I think last last week's episode was me just talking about the Supreme Court and what it was supposed to be about. And uh, I I just, I still don't get it. We are so divided as a country over this particular issue. Uh, I posted something on The Hill just yesterday, in fact. Yeah, on Facebook, The Hill posted, quote, It looks like Gorsuch will not reach the 60-vote margin, Senator Chuck Schirmer said quote "So instead of changing the rules, which is up to Mitch McConnell and the Republican majority, why doesn't President Trump, Democrats, and Republicans in the Senate sit down and try to come up with a mainstream nominee? I posted, and you might not agree with this, but I posted. It's a novel idea, except that Schumer has been playing politics with the Supreme Court choices, as has this entire system for quite a while. Supreme Court isn't a super legislature legislator. <laughs> that word, that word, you have to be drunk to say legislation and judicial. It's the judicial system. Um, I said the Supreme Court isn't a super legislator to bang the gavel and change laws the way people want them to be. Which I will stand by. I said that all last week. The Supreme Court isn't supposed to be an, an ideologue type of thing. It's not supposed to be like... Oh man, people are stingy and don't want to change this law. So we're gonna have the Supreme Court bang the gavel and say that it needs to be done. The Supreme Court literally is supposed to look at the letter of the law and the law of the land, and see how it fits in with the Constitution, and literally say, yeah, it's constitutional, or no, it's not constitutional. Should be pretty cut and dry, if you ask me. I mean, maybe it's just because I, because I'm living in the modern era. And I am I'm a live and let live kind of dude, with most most things most things, not everything. Uh, I I believe in some basic core values the the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness being some of the most important things that the United States Constitution has set out to protect. This nation was formed uh, against a lot of odds, against all odds almost. And if you look at uh, a lot of different historical Perspectives uh, from from the founders, uh, from even from the British Parliament. Edmund Burke was heavily quoted and respected and revered by a lot of the founders uh, from the British Parliament, taking those concepts and applying them. My whole point is that everything was against the grain, and you know, the founding father. The, the, I found that in being patriotic and all that. You you realize that you know humanity isn't perfect. It's definitely not perfect. Uh, when they when when this country was incepted, it was against the grain, and there was a lot of compromising that had to be done. Uh, some of it over very what today we consider super moral issues, but people thinking about the past in today's mindset is 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 asinine. It's it's actually really ridiculous because this is a different day and age that history helped shape. So without the historical events that have happened prior to now, who knows where we would be. All right? This that's just like it's like sitting here and trying to talk about what the world would be like if America never came to be, which by the way, it was really close to not if you look at it. I digress though. I've been criticizing Chuck Schumer a lot, and I hope that people realize I'm, I'm not trying to pick sides here, and I'm not trying to say, you know, damn you Democrats, damn you Republicans. But really, uh, both sides have played rather dirty, push it through anyway politics. Uh, the, the The art of compromise is really it, it, it probably died a while ago. Uh, and right now it's not the art of compromise It's the art of partisanship It's the art of conv- It's the art of convincing that Everybody that you're right They're wrong And I don't It's not It's not working up so hot I want to play you these two clips from Chuck Todd Okay, first I'm going to play you him interviewing Schumer Then I'm going to play you him interviewing McConnell Okay, and the reason why Is that Chuck Todd I think is kind of uh, I'm kind of middle of the ground on him However, I think any individual in in, in the news media business, in politics, whatever it is, when they're right, you should say, hey, they're right, regardless of their background, regardless of whether they've been wrong in the past or not. When they're right, say they're right and follow them. And when they're wrong, you say, no, that's wrong, and you don't follow them. So here's the clip. Senator Schumer,
1: welcome back to Meet the Press. Good morning. Hi, Mitch. (laughs) Let me say this. Uh, Let me start this way. You expressed regret earlier this year for the rules change that was made on judges in 2013. Uh, Why did you go along with it if you regret doing it?
2: well let's look at the history our republican colleagues had been uh... holding back on just about all of so many lower court judges including the very important dc circuit i went to lamar alexander one of my dear friends in the senate and i said look if you keep holding back on scores and scores of judges my side's going to want to change the rules go to mitch and tell him at least let us have some votes on a few of these many of whom had gotten bipartisan support the answer was no and we changed the rules but the one thing that stands out here Chuck is we did not change it for Supreme Court for one very important reason and that is on on the most important of decisions 60 votes is called for that's why you get a mainstream that's how you get a mainstream justice just about every mitch calls it a filibuster we call it the 60 vote standard what most six, americans what, what, where, most where, americans believe in the 60 Senator, vote standard
1: but okay that's fine but there is no rule that says that it has to be 60 votes there's no part of advice and consents that has says there has to be 60 votes and in fact there are currently two members of the supreme court right now that did not get 60 votes well, Sam well Alito actually, and clarence thomas Well,
2: actually, Clarence Thomas is the only one, because when the filibuster came up with Alito, there were 72 votes to go forward. So there's just one. Just about every nominee gets 60 votes, because in the past, presidents have actually consulted the other side before picking someone. In this case, Donald Trump consulted the Heritage uh, Foundation, the Federalist Society, hard right groups with extreme special interest oriented views, and it didn't leave much chance for compromise.
0: I really, I can only stand listening to Chuck Schirmer for so long. Uh, Does he make some fair and balanced points? In in my case, not not really, because he's talking about why I regret making this decision. But this time, it'll be the right decision, even though I regretted it then. So there's that. Here's Mitch McConnell, which, again, Chuck Todd begs a good question. Let's move to the Supreme Court.
1: There is clearly... uh A debate and a fight about how Supreme Court justices are confirmed, how it was handled. Do you have any regrets on how you treated Merrick Garland last year?
3: No, the the tradition had been not to confirm uh, vacancies created in the middle of a presidential year. You'd have to go back to 80 years to find the last time that happened, to go back to the 1880s uh, to find uh, the last time it happened. Before that, uh, everyone knew, including uh, President Obama's former White House counsel, that if the shoe had been on the other foot they wouldn't have filled a republican president's vacancy in the middle of a Supreme Court, uh, uh, in the middle of a presidential election, so that clearly wasn't going to happen even if the roles had been reversed. Well, I
1: understand that, but why not, if that was the rationale, that's a rationale to vote against his confirmation. Why not put him up for a vote? Really? Well, I mean, why isn't that... That I mean, I'm just... that is a Look, any senator (laughs) can have a rationale not to vote for a confirmation. Why not put Merrick Garland on the floor and if the rationale is, you know what, too close to an election, then vote no. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Look, uh, I, we, we, we litigated that last year. Uh, the American people decided they wanted Donald Trump to make the nomination and not Hillary Clinton. And what's before us now, Chuck, is not what happened last year, but the qualifications of Neil Gorsuch, unanimously well-qualified by the American Bar Association, 99% of the time in the majority, 97% of his opinions uh, were unanimous, only one time reversed by the Supreme Court. There's no rational basis, no principled reason for voting against Neil Gorsuch, and that's what's before the Senate this week. You say we, uh, it's been litigated uh, last year, the Merrick Garland situation. For a lot of Senate Democrats,
1: they're not done litigating this, including someone like Tom Carper, a Democratic senator yeah. who is not comfortable with the idea of filibustering, but believes yeah. Merrick Garland was mistreated. Again, what
3: was wrong with allowing Merrick Garland <laughs> to
1: have an up or down vote?
3: I already, t- already told you, uh, you don't fill Supreme Court vacancies in the middle of a presidential election. That's what Joe Biden said back in 1992, and so, he so was chairman the of the policy? Judiciary Committee. Should that be the policy? exactly.
1: Should that be the policy going forward? Are you prepared to pass a resolution that says, in election years, any Supreme <laughs> Court vacancy and have it to be the sense of a Senate resolution that say, no Supreme Court nominations will be considered in any even-numbered year? Is that where we're headed?
3: Chuck, in, in, with all due respect, that's an absurd question. We were right in the middle of a presidential election year. Everybody knew that neither side, had the Schubin on the other foot, would have filled it. But that has nothing to do with what we're voting on this year. Why don't we talk about what we're voting on this week?
0: God, Mitch McConnell, probably the same level, if not maybe even a little bit more, can't listen to him versus Chuck Schumer. You know what this is? This is a class example of Old Democratic fart versus old Republican fart. Both of them hate each other. Both of them can't stand each other. And the point is, Chuck Todd hits both of them with, with pretty hard hitters. Uh, you know, Chuck Schumer, what's with all this grandstanding? What's what? What's with all this? You know, in on in all honesty, Neil Gorsuch should just be an up or down vote, shouldn't it? And uh, and then to Mitch McConnell, wh- why didn't you afford that to to Merrick Garland? Now, whew, it was a can of worms that the Republicans opened. Yes, sure, but why don't you people understand this? It's become such a tit for tat bullcrap thing. That's what it is now. Like that is our justification for 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 our government acting out for having this giant, for lack of better term pissing contest because that's what it is it's two old farts having a pissing contest right now when calling into the question Neil Gorsuch's record you hear this, the the Supreme Court has been super politicized because now it's all about he's supported by these right wing groups and he has this financial, this dark money this is the other thing I hate the the senator, I forget his name, he, the Democrat asked Neil Gorsuch about, well, what about these uh, people who are paying ad campaigns in favor of, of you being nominated to the Supreme Court? What? As if there isn't ad campaigns against Neil Gorsuch being confirmed as a Supreme Court nominate, uh, nominee? As if there isn't negative ads going on right now? Because there are. There are. Okay, here's an interesting article that came out March 16th on CNN Politics that shows that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party were paying for advertisements for this stuff. reading down the article here, and this, this article is titled, Democrats Seed the Airwaves in Gorsuch Fight. It says right here, quote, at the same time, Republicans are waging an eight-figure advertising campaign that is growing daily, an effort centered on the states that Senate Democrats vulnerable in 2018 call home. Conservative and GOP-related groups have outspent Democrats on TV by more than $3 million, according to Democrats and Republicans tracking the advertising figures. The Democrats' grogginess is a reflection, party strategists say, of their overextension channeling energy and dollar towards perhaps a more winnable fight on defending Obamacare, of their depleted coffers following a costly 2016 presidential campaign, and of their poor political positioning largely seeing Gorsuch as clean, qualified, and tough to attack at least before the hearings begin on Monday—this was before the hearings— and as of late Wednesday, you're talking back in March, Democrats had spent just $180,000 on the television campaign versus $3.3 million from Republicans. These were television campaigns over Neil Gorsuch. That's... Talking about money and politics, yes, there's money behind this. Yes, there's ad campaigns pushing the nomination of Neil Gorsuch. And of course, there's ad campaigns hoping to deter, detract, and sink that nomination. But at the end of the day, what I heard mostly in those hearings from Neil Gorsuch was a guy who looks at the letter of the law... And says, it doesn't matter if I agree with that law or not. That is what's on the books. Which again, I've had that discussion at length. That is a Supreme Court justice's job. That's the Supreme Court's job is to look at what the law, what the letter of the law is. Is it constitutional or not? So yeah, they can strike down a law. They can certainly strike down a law based on the Constitution if it's unconstitutional. However, you cannot create a law. You're rather just affirming what's on the book because it's constitutional. And if you don't like either one, you have to put amendments to laws or amendments to the Constitution in there. Where did that get lost? Where did that get lost? I, I don't know where that got lost, but it did. So my question was, when do we stop the pissing contest? And I think it's important because you have articles coming out from news sources like The Hill today talking about how senators fear the fallout of the nuclear option. It quotes uh, Senator Bob Corker from Tennessee, quote, if we continue on the path we're on right now, the very next time there's a legislative proposal that one side of the aisle feels is so important they cannot let their base down, The pressure builds, then we're going to vote the nuclear option on the legislative piece, he said. That's what will happen. Somebody will do it. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, one of the only three Democrats who have explicitly said they'd oppose a filibuster of Gorsuch, warns that the Senate is in danger of becoming a smaller version of the House where the minority party has few rights. Quote, "...people who have been here for a long time know that we're going down the wrong path here. The most unique political body in the world, the United States Senate, will be no more than a six-year term in the House," he said. "...I'm doing whatever I can to preserve the 60-vote rule," he said. Uh, Senator Heidi Heitkamp, Democrat from North Dakota, who, like Manchin, says she will vote to allow Gorsuch's nomination to move forward, said she's also concerned th- about the legislative filibuster Quote, this erosion that seems to be happening Of course I'm worried about it, she said Gorsuch right now uh, has three Democrat votes uh, Because uh, yesterday on Sunday uh, John Donnelly from Indiana said he would back him So Republicans need 60 votes to overcome the filibuster Backed by Chuck Schumer who Sunday said it's highly, highly unlikely that the Republicans will get there. He keeps saying that, but there's a lot of Democrats on the fence. The Republicans only need a few of them to get the 60 votes and surpass the need to surpass the filibuster option for Chuck Schumer and the Democrats. And regardless if Chuck Schumer does do that Mitch McConnell has pretty much said okay well we're just going to change the rules then and that throws out the filibuster option cuz you just need simple ma- you just need a simple majority then it's a pissing contest god man i say this a lot working in corrections to people who are a lot older than me but grow up man grow up It's going to be an interesting week for the Senate and the Supreme Court of the United States, and possibly, just for dramatic effect, the The fate of our nation. nation. So stay tuned. C-SPAN will probably be playing most of it. You can watch it free online. It'll be boring. That's how democracy dies. It dies in boringness. And adults pissing all over each other, which... I guess if you're into some things, that's fine. I'm I'm not. I'm not. That brings me to something. I've been paying a lot more attention to local Delaware politics. Believe it or not, because of the correctional situation. Obviously, I work for the government. Uh, you know, there are times where I wish I could say I didn't work for the government. That's beside the point. As a, literal, as a little government libertarian, even still, I believe people would end up in prison because there are certain laws that people still violate, but it's beside the point. Anyway, I've been paying attention to that because uh, we had, of course, our hostage situation February 1st led to the murder of uh, Sergeant Stephen Floyd. Uh, it's uh, That was back February 1st, February 2nd. It is April 3rd, and virtually nothing has been done for the Department of Corrections. Uh... I I watched uh, Governor John Carney's uh, debate, um, his budget reveal for the fiscal year, which which his plan to try to curb the problem doesn't make any sense to me. He's raising the hazardous duty pay. Uh, I think he put aside $4.7 million to increase hazardous duty pay by a thousand-some-odd dollars, which raises uh correctional officers paychecks by about fifty bucks a paycheck or fifty bucks a month, I can't remember which. Uh I think it's fifty a paycheck. So there's that. He raises that. That puts his estimates at uh correctional officers starting salary would be about thirty seven thousand dollars after that. Uh, just just on a note here, we can talk about government waste and government spending. I think Delaware needs to have a multifaceted approach to the issue. Uh, however, in terms of wages for correctional officers and correctional p- professionals and employees and all that, in the tri-state area, that is the lowest. It's been the lowest, but that is still, even bumping it up to $37,000 is, is the lowest. It's the lower end of the tri-state area. Which Delaware is at a disadvantage because people can live in Delaware and just transfer and try to go for those jobs if they want them. Uh, I just got my bachelor's degree in communications and I'm getting ready to vamp up my, you know, resumes and all that and see what I can do now that I have a degree and and want to explore and see what else I can do now that I'm done the schooling aspects of things. But that's also a personal thing, too, um... That that was their plan. It was four point seven million dollars to raise the hazardous duty pay. Um, hire fifty no, hire seventy five new correctional officers to be split, fifty of them going to James T. Vaughan, the institution where that incident happened, and twenty five going to the women's institution in Delaware, uh to to fill the uh, gaps in staffing. And just logistically speaking, that doesn't work out because the Delaware Department of Corrections always suffered from staffing issues. Always. Always, always, always. That's why there was a a 2004 incident in which a counselor was raped, which had to end tactically by the offender in question being shot and killed by the correctional SWAT team, or the CERT team. It was staffing issues back in 2004. It's staffing issues now and waving a magic wand and saying that you're going to hire 50 new correctional officers to send down to an institution when you can't keep your class of 30 that graduates for more than three years. I mean, this is just facts that happen. People, they graduate these classes every so often. It's about 30 people that graduate And then statistically, most of them leave within three years, either getting a new job and finding greener pastures because they were getting their foot in the door for law enforcement. Uh, They just get fed up with the fact that the job doesn't do much for you. Or the third option, they get fired. We don't like talking about people that get fired, but (laughs) that's, that's beside the point. So the plan just doesn't work out. And then I hear like I listen to to Governor Carney, the the state is in about three hundred and fifty to four hundred million dollars budget gap. Um that that's how much that the state is forecasted to not make and cover in revenue. And part of the reason, part of the problem with that in fact, and, and maybe my fellow correctional officers won't like me for it But part of the fact is that the, fact that the one of the top 10 employers for the state of Delaware Is the state of Delaware Delaware is one of the cho- top job providers in Delaware Meaning that you just have a bunch of people working for the government And of course that doesn't work out You're taxing people to pay those same people it, no wonder it doesn't add up if you're in the top 10 employers for the state of Delaware it's it's kind of nuts it's kind of ridiculous it's not even a state that has a, a million people but you have this 350 million to 400 million gap and his his fiscal year plan was to cut certain spendings and certain things to certain departments and Generate more taxes, so it was cut spending, raise taxes, so that you could balance out in the middle somewhere. except last Thursday, he mentioned in an ad- in an address to uh, the the Delaware General Assembly, uh, he talked about creating a whole new agency with a chief diversity officer. Now, this begs the question to me. I thought that we had a, a three hundred and fifty million to four hundred million budget gap. Where are you getting money to create a whole new agency with a chief diversity officer, which to me sounds like it's going to be making closer to six-figure salaries than not? And then the correctional officers we are sitting here wondering why we can't get paid just an honest matching wage compared to the surrounding areas. And part of my multifaceted approach to that was criminal justice reform, uh, pushing through, which right now the Delaware General Assembly is debating it, legalizing marijuana so that you can legalize it, tax it. And my libertarian friends, we can have an argument about whether or not that should be taxed at all or whatever. I think that if you're buying something along the lines of, you know, marijuana or alcohol or whatever, that you could impose a tax on it. Kind of, sort of. Mm, we can argue about that, though. Because nobody's forcing you to buy that. That's recreational and, and all that jazz. However, I don't agree with things like the Philadelphia soda tax. Or is it Philadelphia or Pennsylvania? One of them has a soda tax. Because it's a sugary drink and bad for you, so we're going to tax you if you buy it. And it's, it's wreaked havoc in that area because of it. Um Because people just find ways to get around it anyway That being said I said legalize marijuana Criminal justice reform to clear the prisons of nonviolent drug offenses Because that's the way that the nation should be going Anyway If it's a victimless crime If you're just literally locking up somebody for possessing a drug And then you're slapping on things like Um what, what's the charge I'm thinking of? Uh, intent to distribute because they had an excess amount of it or something along those lines. I mean, it's drugs. Drug problems aren't countered very well with prison at all. Uh, prison, in terms of rehabilitation, sometimes doesn't help at all either because some of the crimes, I mean, if you're talking about murder, rape, you know, uh, child molestation, child pornography. Things of that nature. I mean, when you're talking about that stuff, how far can you go with with treatment and and rehabilitation? Should you try it? Sure. But at at some point, violent rapists, murderers, and people who overall just don't give a shit, pardon my French, sometimes all you can do is, is give them a sentence and lock them up. Sometimes. And treat them fair and humanely, which... You know, again, I work in an institution where it's—I would say—it's very hard for somebody to argue that they're not being treated fair and humanely, uh, just because I, I know my job from from page one to the final page, and I'm big on you know, hey, constitutional rights. Of course, some constitutional rights are suspended once you're arrested, tried, convicted, and sentenced, but. You know other things, and and Delaware also needs to work on its bail reform. That's been something that's been out there too. I never understood why somebody could get locked up, have a hundred dollars in their pocket, and not pay their fifty dollar or a hundred dollar bail, or why somebody couldn't swipe their uh, Visa card for a thousand or fifteen hundred dollar bail. Let alone the fact that the Eighth Amendment says excessive bail should not be imposed, and we all know how that works out. So, needless to say. Delaware is in a budget crisis, but can create brand new departments with chief diversity officers, which I'm sure make $100,000. That's beside the point, though. Delaware needs to raise their taxes to, to support employing Delawareans uh, because we were such a business haven that, uh, I don't know, companies keep putting drop boxes in Wilmington and headquartering here, quote unquote, Because we're such a tax haven, but not employing anybody here. That's just the the, the tip of the iceberg for Delaware. So, I ranted. I hope I didn't sound so pissed off there, but my God. There's there's just so much going on. So much going on, and not enough being focused on left and right. So, I'm going to be paying attention this week to what the Congress does with this Neil Gorsuch business because it's a big deal now. And I've been paying attention to Delaware. Been in contact with Senator Anthony Del Might be work might be working on something with him soon. That might be, that might be cool, right? That'd be cool if I could start something up. But I don't wanna I don't wanna dive into that yet because I'm gonna have to start getting ready for vacation soon, going down to Texas. And like I said, if I if, if it is Glenn Beck, if I get to meet him or whatever, you will know. However, with this trip down to Texas, too, I'm not slated to be back in Delaware until Tuesday night next week. Meaning that Monday, probably not going to have a new podcast. So, be prepared to not have one Monday. I'm not going to commit to making one that week, later that week. But I might. It might be a Friday with Fritz. I don't know. Don't hold me to it. Because the other thing I have going on is not only do I have to get ready for vacation and all that, but I also have to go play NHL 17 and Mass Effect Andromeda, which my character looks a lot like me. I'll post a picture of it because Mass Effect rules! So guys, thanks for listening. Share this on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your social media, with your friends, with your family, with anybody that you know, with anybody within earshot. Blast it out your car windows, I don't care. Love, peace, chicken grease, and I'll see you all probably next week and if not the week after. And remember, I'm at FritzQS on the Twitter and Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast.